top of the day. <laughs> uh, if you missed the 11 o'clock service this morning, not to put my pastor on the spot, but he like tipped his water over. He baptized his Bible this morning in the service. So that's where that joke came from. Um, but I'm going to start off in Romans 7 and 21. I have one verse of scripture for you, and then I'll allow you to sit down. Again, that's Romans 7 and 21. I'm going to be reading out the English Standard Version because that's the only language that I understand. <laughs> Verse 21 says, so I find it to be a law. Everybody say law. law. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say law. law. Law is, in this term, is not the law that you consider as a rule, but it's a principle. And what a principle is in the Bible is a fundamental truth. So what this really is saying, so I find it to be true that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the God of my inner being. Lord, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for dwelling and just meeting us where we're at, Jesus. We ask that you just continue to dwell in this place Allow us not to just be hearers of your word, Lord, but to be doers of your word, Lord. Invade this place like never before. Invade the spirits, the souls, and the body that is here today, Lord. We thank you, we honor you, and we love you. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. So, we're going to start in Romans. Paul is one of my favorite people to study in the Bible. Because one thing about Paul is Paul is going to tell the truth. It was Paul who says there's trouble on every side. And when I read that, I had to Josephite it a little bit, and I had to come to the conclusion, yes, I'm blessed, but I'm also stressed. Yes, I'm tired, but I'm also inspired. And what Paul is saying right here in this moment is that even though he wants to do the right thing, even though the inner being that is inside of him wants to do the right thing and chase after God, there's something that causes him to wage war and have thoughts that makes him want to do the wrong thing. And where I want to start, and I want to start in this main sermon is going to be a talking about spiritual order. First, um, I practice this word all week, so don't make fun of me. First theologians, <laughs> period. <laughs> <It's Thessalonians. laughs> if this is your first time at NOLA Church, this is an insider. You will get to know as I go through this sermon that I speak two languages. Joseph and Joseph, which means that English is not my strongest suit. So I'm going to make up some words as we go through this. But it's okay, because like Paul said, I'm blessed and I'm stressed. I'm inspired, but I'm also tired. And so what it says is now, may the God of peace himself sanctify. Everybody say sanctify. Sanctify means to set apart. So now may the God of peace himself set you completely apart and may your whole spirit soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What we're talking about here today is spiritual order. There's three things that makes up your spirit in this order. Spirit, mind, and body. 
I want to start in talking about the spirit because the spirit is our source. Our spirit is our communication with God. In John 6 and 63, it says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Again, I'm going to say that one more time. That which is born is the flesh, which is born of flesh is flesh. This is why I don't talk to dead people because it says flesh is flesh. And which is born of the spirit is the spirit. So if you are talking to a spirit, guess what you are? A spirit. And it ain't the spirit of God. Our spirit communicates to us. It is the spirit who gives us life. The flesh is no help at all. That's in John 6 and 63. What that means is I can get baptized in a water baptism, and if I weigh 300 pounds when I got baptized, when I get out the water, my flesh is still going to be 300 pounds, but my spirit is going to be transformed and it's going to be renewed because it's the spirit who gives life. It is the source, the communication that you have with God that gives you life. James 2 and 26 says, from the body apart from the spirit is dead. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the spirit, but in order for us to understand everything else that God is about to tell us, we first have to be able to know that our spirit comes from the source and the source is our father. And so as we get to talking about our body, mind, that does not matter if your spirit is not talking to God. If your spirit is not aligned with his word, then your body and your mind is automatically a lost cause. Next, I want to go and focus on the body. And we go back to Romans 7 and 21 and 23. It says, but I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So there's something that is happening with Paul in this moment where his spirit the, the, the source of him is there with him, but something is waging a war in his mind that is causing him to question the very truth, to question the very promise of God. How many of us have been Paul's in our lifetime? You don't have to raise your hand because I'll raise both of, both of my hands for you. There's oftentimes as believers that when we're in the presence of God, when we come into a congregation, when we come into community, that when we the, the spirit flows, when the wind blows, every decision is easy from us because we're walking and we're talking with God, but it's oftentimes that we leave the the presence of God and and a war immediately starts to happen in our life. And then we look up and say, but I was, I just felt the goodness of you. Why do I need to go home and fall into addiction? Why do I need to go home and fall into validation from other people when your word that you gave me today was so powerful that it renewed and it transformed my mind? Oftentimes, we are a lot like Paul. When we're in front of other believers, it's easy for us to put on a show and mask the true feelings of what's happening, not only in our minds, but also in our hearts. And I think that there's a theme that God has been putting on my heart that if we take captive of our minds, then if we don't take captive of our minds, then it flows into our hearts and it is expressed through our actions. I talked about this last time that I was here. What that means is if I think that I am worthy, if I think that I am less than, then I'm going to start feeling like I'm worthy and I'm going to start feeling like I'm less than. And then when it comes from a moment for me to express that expression, it's easy for someone to take their life if they don't know 
know who they truly are. It's easy for someone to give themselves away to society if they don't know who the promise is, if they don't know who their source is. And what Paul is doing in this moment is breaking down that not only are our spirits at war, but our body and our minds are also at war. And, I, and I've heard so many sermons about people talking about your spirit. I've even heard sermons of people talking about your body. But I haven't heard many sermons of people talking about your soul, and your soul is the deepest part of you. But I'm going to get to that in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's focus on the body. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I don't know about you, but my body didn't come from a big bang accident. My body for sure did not come from a monkey. My body for sure didn't come from astrology and stars. My body came and it was formed. Not it was spoken, but it was formed, which means my God took his time to make me in the image of him. We got to cut all of this spiritual astrology and all that. That doesn't make no sense. The word is the word. And in Genesis 2 and 7, it said, man was formed from dust. And breath was breathed through the nostrils. Aren't we thankful that God took his time to mold us into the image of him? Are we thankful that he didn't just give us any type of breath? He gave us the breath of life. Are we thankful for a God that loves us so much that he spoke everything into existence? But when it came to me, when it came to you, you and you, he formed you into the likeness of him. That's the God I love. It's the God I serve. I don't know what they saying on TikTok, but it ain't godly. First Corinthians 6 and 19 says, so our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, which means when it's time for me to go, this body is staying right here on this earth. We are handmade. Somebody needed to hear that. You are handmade in the image of God. Don't ever feel like you're unworthy enough. Don't ever feel like you don't have no purpose in this life. Don't ever feel like you're forsaken or abandoned in this world. You have a God that sticks closer than a brother. Now to my favorite part of today, the soul. I remember doing the president, and this is not a presidential campaign political sermon that I'm about to give. But I remember when the election that just passed happened and Joe Biden had this famous campaign slogan says, America, we are in the battle for our souls. Joe Biden. <laughs> it, was, it was Joe. It was Joe. He said, America, we are in the we're in the battle for our souls. And oftentimes what I see that. While I didn't agree with the context that Joe Biden was saying it in, I did agree that there's a, a battle, there's a war that is happening in this world, and it's not messing with necessarily people's spirit because the church is on fire right now. It's not necessarily messing with people's body because you can go to anywhere and find a self-body book, but it is messing with people's soul. It's messing with their minds. It's messing with their, their choices. It's messing with their emotions because if I can get you to disconnect from the spirit, I can get you to to persuade your mind to think that anything that gives you any type of satisfaction, anything that gives you any type of, of comfort is the right thing. 
Romans 12 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may descend that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our soul is the mind in which we think and, the re- and, and reason. And a lot of people don't talk about the soul and we can't figure out for the life of us, why can't we move forward? I'm in church, I'm worshiping, I'm serving, I'm being connected to my family, but I'm still stuck in the bondage that I'm in. I'm taking care of my body. I'm on that Michael Todd diet where I'm losing three to... I'm sorry, I'm so that... I did not want to say that. But I'm on that Michael Todd diet, and, and my body is starting to get back in shape. Listen to me, believer. We don't talk about health a lot in the church, but what God has for you, you need to be able to handle it. And so sometimes you got to let the peace go, and you got to start going on walks and just have intimate moments with him. It's not because you're trying to fix your body, but you're looking for intimacy with him. You can't be up all night talking and being in a relationship with people if you're always tired. That was a personal conviction that I went through, so I just said it. The Lord told me a long time ago, if you want to handle the weight that I'm trying to give to you, buddy, you got to get in shape because you sleeping all day ain't going to work. And so our soul is the mind in which we think and we reason. The reason why your thoughts are running wild, the reason why you're justifying every small little actions is because you have not identified the location of your soul. Better yet, you have not connected your soul back to your spirit. You have to remember your spirit is your communication with God. So if you're not listening to the communication, if you're not listening to God, then your soul is allowing thoughts to take captive in your mind. Which means now you look at people that, that you love and you're supposed to be in a relationship with and, and you don't trust them. That goes back into what we talked about this morning at the morning service. We don't have a trust issue. We don't have a community issue. Is our soul lined up with Jesus or is it lined up with us? And I don't know if you know about you, but we suck. Humanity suck. No matter what part of the Bible that you look at, humanity suck. They make covenant after covenant. They fail, they fail, they fail. We still feeling the effects of Adam and Eve today. And I keep all my clothes on and I still feel the consequences of Adam and Eve today. The will, our soul is all, I'm sorry. This is a big moment. This is my older brother that just walked in. And so this is, he visiting in New Orleans today and it just completely distracted me. So welcome. He's on CPT time like the rest of my family. And so, and so our soul is also our will. Our will is, is, is the way that we make choices. And if our soul is not connected to our spirit, the choices that we make are not only going to impact us, but it's going to impact everyone around us. You wonder why you don't have any friends. How do you make your friends feel when they're in the presence of you? You wonder why you are still in bondage. What choices are you making to stay in bondage? Are you trying to connect your source to validation and to society? Or are you trying to connect your source to God? 
Are you making choices that are going to make you comfortable and make you happy? Or are you going to step into the uncomfort and grow and, and, and deal with the confrontation that comes with the Bible and deal with the consequences that comes? I don't know what consequences, but I just said it for a reason. The will. And then our mind is also our emotion. So our, our soul is the way we think, the way we make choices, which is our will, and the emotions which we believe, feel, and remember. Oftentimes we stay in bondage based on our feelings. I can't love you because the last time I felt the feeling of love, someone broke it. Or I remember I remember all of the times that people took advantage of me, so I'm never going to get close to anybody again. But this is not who God has called us to be. There's a famous buzzword in today's society that's called self-awareness. And in no way, and I'm saying self-awareness is a bad thing. Am I saying self-awareness is a fully godly thing? No, I am not. And here's why. Because you can be self-aware and realize that you were the problem. And instead of addressing the problem, you ran from the problem and you isolated yourself. And so we can't just stop at this point of self-awareness. We also have to push forward into a new point and where I'm going to get to in just a second. I'm sorry, I'm one of them old people who take notes on the... On the paper, I know like some of y'all fancy pastors got like iPods and computers and everything. And so that's one of those made up words I told y'all about. I've been doing good, though. I've been doing good. I've been doing good. (laughs) So what is self-awareness? Let's break down what self-awareness is. Self-awareness is the ability to focus on yourself and how your action, thoughts, or emotions do not align with your internal standards. And so you become self-aware to help yourself. Most time people will use the word self-aware when someone is being toxic and they don't know how the imp- what they're doing is impacting everyone around them. And so they tell them that you need to go do a self-reflection and you need to go look in the mirror and see not only the cause of your actions, but also the cause of how you impact others. But again, the problem with this is that I can become self-aware and completely do everything that is opposite in the Bible. Self-awareness only benefits you. And if you've been following along in this church, we are learning about discipleship and we're learning about community and and God did not only call us to take care of ourselves, God did not call us to benefits and reap the benefits for ourselves, but it's to be in community. Spiritual gifts are not for you. They're for the people that you are in relationship and within community with. This is the problem that I have with self-awareness. Again, I'm not saying self-awareness is a totally bad thing, but I'm saying it's self-awareness plus soul awareness. Everybody say soul awareness. Soul awareness connects you to your spirit. So I need to connect my mind back to Jesus. I need to connect my choices back to Jesus. I need to connect my emotions back to Jesus. I not only need to isolate myself, I not only need to look at my toxic traits, but I need to take those toxic traits. I need to have a repentant type of lifestyle and I need to give them to Jesus because he did not call me to only take care of myself. He wants to take those things and renew them and make them new and now they become my testimony. And now I can disciple and I can be in relationship with people because I know the goodness of God. 
Soul awareness is the ability to identify the source of your actions. Peep how this is different from self-awareness. Self-awareness focuses on you. Soul awareness focuses on the source. What is the source? Jesus. So soul awareness is the ability to identify the source of your actions, your thoughts, and emotions. When we disconnect our souls, when we are not in tune with it, a lot of people, they don't necessarily disconnect their soul. A lot of people just ignore it. We're not talking about our souls enough in church. We're not talking about the most deepest part of us. I can come into church and feel the presence of God, and I can walk out Monday through Saturday and feel horrible because my spirit had an encounter with God, but I let my soul stay in the bondage and the situation that it was in. I let my mind stay on the thing that is holding me back. I let my choices bring me away from God because it was the most comfortable thing. And my emotions, I don't even want to get on that. I don't want to get on that. 90% of the choices that you make that are not of God comes from your emotions. And so what, what happens when we disconnect or ignore our soul? I got three things. The first one is we let our thoughts run wild. That's, that's big. Like your, your thoughts, like I'm going to keep repeating this until it is heard everywhere, that if you don't take captives of your thoughts, it is going to flow to your heart and it's going to be expressed through your actions. If I'm hungry and I think a thought, then I start to feel the hungriness in my heart. And so I'm going to Buffalo Wild Wings to go get me a 10-piece chicken with no fries because they don't put the wings with their fries and I don't understand why. It's... And if you know Buffalo All Wings, you know I'm talking about a Tuesday because that's when you get 70 cent wings and they don't come with the fries. <laughs> Number two, we make choices based on what's comfortable, not on, on or on our emotions. And so when we disconnect our souls from our spirit, that means we're not listening to God. So we're always going to choose the most comfortable thing. I'm here to tell you that God is always probably going to take the most uncomfortable route. You want to know why? Because that's where growth happens. Or we lead on our emotions. I just, God, I just don't feel it today. I know I definitely should call such and such because I've seen them hurting. But I don't feel like it. And so I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to pretend like it, it, it didn't happen. And again, when we disconnect our souls, we make choices based on what's comfortable or on our emotions, and that's never okay. This is why they tell people, in order, when you feel yourself in an argument or you feel yourself in a discussion and your emotions are running high, you need to pause, say, I'm going to get back to you, go seek after your source, go listen to your spirit, and then come back and have the conversation. Because if you lead to your emotions, not only do you hurt you, but you hurt everyone that is around you. Once you say the words, you cannot take them back. Once you do the action, you cannot take it back. That's why it's important for you not only to be self-aware, to be soul-aware, because when I'm soul-aware, I know the things that tick me. I know the things that make me uncomfortable. I know the boundaries that I need to set into my life. Number three, we believe anything that makes us feel good while desperately seeking a way forward. And I feel like that is a word for somebody here today that you have been pushing 
and you have been under pressure and under the fire and you're trying to take a, a take a step forward. You feel like you've been doing everything right, but you're still stuck in the situation that you've been in. And that's because you are looking for the validation of others or the affirmation of words when you should be looking for your source. I always tell every time I got, we got a new principal this year, and I always tell every leader, no matter who it is, that the, the thing that I don't need from you is validation. And it's not to be rude. It's not to be funny. Actually, I hate getting recognized. Like, I, it, it, JB's here. Like, she knows it grinds my gear. Like, oh, my gosh, she did. Like, it's, I always feel like I'm doing the normal. So why recognize a fish for swimming? Like, I just don't understand. But I always tell my, my leaders that I don't want your validation. Why? Because it feeds into my pride. And I don't need to be validated from you because I've already been validated from the one. There's nothing that you can tell me that can make me feel good than reading my Bible and hearing the promises of God. There's nothing that you can tell me that makes me feel better than hearing I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to not harm you. I know what it's like to hear that I can take refuge in a God that is, is beyond God. I know the suffering that my Lord and Savior took for my life. I know the, 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 the sacrifices that he made for me. And so I don't need your validation because I've already been validated. I've already been anointed. And so when we disconnect or ignore our souls, we believe anything. My favorite people to mess with is people that are gullible. In the most, like, ungodly way. And the reason why is because, like, they literally believe anything. Like, and it's so astonishing to me. Like, like you believe everything that I say? Like, wow. Like, even my students don't believe everything I say. And so for when someone is my age and it's like, man, you really believe anything, how about you go jump off that bridge real quick? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you can jump off the bridge. It don't, be high. It don't have to be a high bridge. It could be a low bridge. We're not, we're not committing suicide here. <laughs> it could can, can really be a low bridge. All right. Back to the point. Back to, back to the word. You see, when you make choices without the source and you don't talk about the Bible, then you say stupid stuff like that. Look, well, <laughs> living word. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right. Acts 4 and 3 and 2. Jay flipped my slide for me, which means that she was trying to get me to move along. <laughs> I'm sorry. If this is your first time here, we love God and we love to have fun. So if you hard up and stuck up and you can't laugh doing the word of God, that's not godly because I don't know about y'all. When I get to heaven, I'm, I'm shouting in front of the Lord like God going to be making a joke. You're just going to be standing there. Well, we need to put that one back. No personality. No. Somebody just decided in this moment they're never coming back to this church, and it's perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm going to go to Acts 4, 3, um, Acts 4, 32. And this is coming to where we have been as a church. We've been talking a lot about community. And truly, in order to understand what community is, we have to first come and analyze ourselves for a second. 
we have to not only make sure that we're self-aware, but we also have to make sure that our soul is aware. How could you go to your community and ask them to pray for your need if you can't identify your need? Sometimes we are so general with the things that we need, and God is asking us to be more specific. If your soul is not connected, if your mind is not connected to God, then you need to tell that to your community. But if your emotions are not connected, then you need to tell those to your community. And if your choices are not aligned to God, you need to tell that to your community. You don't just need to say, my soul is hurting. You need to get specific with those things so we can pray for those things. And what we've been at in Acts 4 and 32, it says the group of those who believe were of one heart and mind, which means everybody's thoughts, choices, and will in that moment was on one accord. And I believe that God is calling us not just to a place of comfortability, but to a place of radicalness. Not just a place of, I want to be balanced for God, but to a place that I want to be more on this side, which is the side that is God versus the side of the world. I don't want to be even with the world. I want God to be above the world, and I want my thoughts to be above the world, and I want my spirit, my choices, and my emotions to be above the world. To be equal is to be stagnant, to be complacent, and to be lost. But to have your foot into God and to trust that everything that he says, everything that he is due is above everything, and it is worthy, um, and, and, and it is more important than everything that is down here. And so in order for us to have this axe moment, we have to get to a place of unity, not only in our spirit, which is, I'm not going to say easy to do, but it's not hard because the spirit is God. And where the wind blows, the wind blows. And so when God wants to have his moment, he's going to have his moment. It's easy for us to go and work out together or to go eat burgers on a Thursday and get our bodies straight. But our soul If we get our choices to align, you talk about trust. If we can have the same thoughts and I can think the best of you and you think the best of me in moments that I'm hurting, what power can that do? If I can get my emotions in check and to be on unity with you so when you hurt, I hurt. When you're happy, I'm happy. That's unity. And then it says, and no one said that any of his possessions with his own, but everything was held in common. Everybody say everything. Not just the spirit, not just our love for Jesus was in common, not just our desire to live healthier and better lives were in common, but our thoughts, our emotions, and our choices were also in common. And so how do we live in common? These are totally not my words. These are Pastor Monty's words. And so I just want to do that disclaimer. I'm like, oh, that was so good. I'm going to give credit to my pastor. (laughs) First thing that we have to do to live in common, we have to live in common belief. When you trust God, that's your spirit. When you rely on God, that's your mind to say that I'm going to rely on you for my, I'm going to rely on you for my, my, my mind. I'm going to rely on you for my emotions, and I'm going to allow on you, rely on you for my will, which means that I'm going to seek after you first before I act on any three of those things. And so we have to live in a, a, a common belief. We have to have a mind change. We have to have a life change, and we have to have a soul change. Everybody say the word repentance. 
We live in common belief when we change our mind, our life, and our soul to be in unity with each other. The second thing we must do is live in common connection, which is our body. I've been so inspired the last couple of Sundays. I ain't going to say they kicked me off the prayer team, but we have divorce. Now I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. But because God has called me to other things, I can't be in the prayer team as much as I like to. But what I've found so much joy in in the last couple of Sundays is right before service in the hub, our prayer team go to the throne room in prayer and just being able to walk and just sit in the presence just to get my body connected with other believers in their body as they cry out to Jesus. It is so, so amazing. Because if you're like me, you're not a morning person. I'm unique, works with me, she knows. I am not a morning person. I think if y'all want to pray for me for anything, pray that the Lord wakens me up more in the morning in a more joyful spirit because I lock my classroom door and I just turn off the lights. And <laughs> but just being in the presence of God, it just, it just, it creates something that's just so contagious that you just can't sit there. Like I went in there this morning and I was just heavy and I was nervous for what was going on today. And from the moment that I sit, sat down and I threw my hands up in a, in, in a position of surrenderance, a peace just fell on my body, not because I said anything, because I didn't, but because my body was connected with other believers in their body, in the community, the presence of God did what he had to do. Sometimes you just got to get your body in position to let God do what he wants to do. Sometimes you have to walk away from the addiction and just come up into the altar at the church room and just pray and just allow God to renew you. September would make a year September would make a year since I had my last alcoholic beverage. And if you know me, I'm in a fraternity that's built on drinking Jack Daniel and Coke. And I'm being real. And so when I used to meet with PM when I first started coming to the church, he used to always talk about Solomon. So I'm like, why is he continuing? I had never told PM that I had an alcohol problem. But every time for three straight meetings, he brought it up. And I'm one of those people that listen to my pastor. So the last time he told me about the story of Solomon, that's it. That's it. Cut it. You need to cut it. 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 All right. I'm sorry. They didn't invite me back. But... But in all seriousness, there were a time when I wanted to truly give up alcohol. And I used to talk to God. We used to have real conversations. It's like, there's no way. There's too many celebrations that need to happen in life. There's no way I can give it. Like, this is what my whole social life is built on. We leave work. We go on a happy hour. We want to celebrate somebody. We go into a happy hour. We leave church. We go on a brunch. Bottomless mimosas. It's the truth. And I never thought that there would be a moment where I can give all of that up. I literally told God that. Until the day that I woke up, and, and no exaggeration, that the taste was completely gone. 
Because I prayed that he, I, I said, Lord, make this taste so disgusting in my mouth that I never want to do it again. And a year later, I haven't even thought about having an alcoholic beverage. Sometimes you just got to get, glory to God. Sometimes you just got to get your body into the presence to awaken your spirit and your mind. Don't feel like taking that step forward is the wrong thing to do. Like sometimes you just have to do it. You don't have to wait till you're clean. You don't have to wait till you reach a certain status. No matter if you're broken or you're hurting. If you just take a leap of faith, if you could just have the faith of a mustard seed to step out of your situation, God is going to do his part. People talk about miracle signs and wonders. What do you think the miracles are? You thought you could not do it. You called on Jesus and now you cannot do it. That's the miracle. That, that is God. We get so fascinated on, oh, I just want to be able to give bread to 3,000 people and serve this way, and I just want a radical change. No. God is not a genie. You don't make three wishes and they automatically come to truth. No, you pray. You seek after him day and night. Day and it says the righteous heart cries out. And what he do after that, everything that he do is a miracle. You once was dead. And now you're created new into his image. That is a miracle. You waking up every morning just to take that breath, just to be able to talk is a miracle. Don't get so fascinated on this world, but transform and renew your mind and your soul. Second thing, last thing. We must live in common distribution, which is our spirit. Community works when we overflow to each other. We've been talking about this for the last couple of sermons with PM, that if, if I have it, and as your brother in Christ, if I can give it, I will. That's overflow. And it's not always materialistic things. We're talking about that right before service. It's not always about materialistic things. But what I do know is that I have a covering that is beyond the understanding of anybody's mind. When I can't even speak the words to pray or I can't even speak the words to get up in the morning, I know for without a, a, a fact that the pastors and the pastoral staff is praying for me. So no, I cannot give you materialistic things, but I can bring you to a community that's not only gonna give you bread, but they also gonna give you the bread of life. You may have been forsaken. You may have not experienced what true love is. I think I have. I'm engaged. No, I'm playing. I am, though. <laughs> but you may not know what it means to actually love someone. To surrender yourself and put yourself at the lowest point, not for the benefits of you, but from the benefits of others. People always ask me, how did you know it was the time to marry Brie or to get engaged to Brie. It was the moment that her life became more important than mine's. That her dreams became more important than my dreams. That her happiness became one. That when she hurt, I felt the hurt. When she was happy, I felt the happiness. And I knew God was in the middle of it. And so when we talk about this need, it's not always materialistic things. Sometimes it's just a friend. 
Maybe your friends suck. Some of mine's do. All they want to do is party all day. And maybe you have been trying to reach a place where you want to surrender and give your life to God. But you come into this place and then you leave and you're surrounded by nothing but toxicity in a different environment. Guess what? I have a need. Well, I have an answer to your need. The people that's around you. That's what being in unity and doing life together is. But if we cannot locate ourselves and where our mind, our emotions, and our feelings are, we can never get the prayer that we need because we're living in a, fac uh, a fascinating, I don't even know what word I want to say, a facade. Because <laughs> we're living in, I don't know what I was about to say, but we're living in a facade. And so as we come to a close, if we could just have everybody just bow your head and close your eyes, no one looking around. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be a believer and to come to know who Jesus was and to experience the, the power of being water baptized and being baptized in his Holy Spirit. I know what it's like to get so close to the throne room that you can feel God in every aspect of your life, both in, both in your spirit, mind, and in your soul. I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like when that honeymoon stage is over. When the fire that Lord, the Lord has set in you starts to dim and life starts to get into your way and distractions start to come and this starts to pull you away and, and this starts to affect how you feel about things and this starts to affect your emotions. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be lost in the sauce not being able to identify what is going on. And I believe that here today, God is getting ready not only to return you back to your source, but to set fire in your soul like never before that when your decisions are starting to be made that you're going to seek after him and you're going to make godly decisions that your emotions are getting ready to come into a place of, of checking and when you start to feel you don't feel the pain of this world you don't feel the pain of your trauma in your past but you feel the love of God in every situation We have been chosen for such a time as this, not to benefit us, not to make us comfortable, not to make us feel like, like we're all that, but to be in unity, to be in, in relationship, to be in community with others. You could be the most spiritually gifted person in this congregation. No one will ever know if you do not show up. And so as we come here to a close, I don't, I don't, I just, we don't want
want the religion. We don't want to just go through a process. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to not have the power of you in our life, God. We want to make room for you in every single thing that we do, in every action, every instinct, every mind change, every emotion. We want to surrender it and we want to give it to you, God. And so today I just say thank you, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be able to be hearers of your word. I thank you for being able to allow us to locate where our souls were so we can connect it back to our spirit and that it can naturally flow into our body. Lord, teach us how to trust, rely, and obey in you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.